Welcome back to the shed, everybody. It's cold, it's damp, but it doesn't matter because we're indoors, as we always are. RJ's back from his vacation, and so we're looking forward to hearing about that. And I don't know what all else we got on our list today, but stick with us and we'll find out together. Here we go. Did you guys vote today? <laughs> I hate you. I just hate you. <laughs> Listeners, RJ's come back from an extended road trip, evidently just full of beans. I don't know what it is. Sue voted in advance. I did too. You did? Yeah. And you? Uh, today. KJ? Today. Yeah, I'm today. Did you, Sue found that she went there, there was hardly any lineup. There was an elderly man and everything he did took a long time. So it took her 20 minutes to vote. Wow. I just waltzed in today. It was great. I was given booth number X. They're sitting there waiting for me. They're happy to see me. Right? Jeez, I, I had a fair little lineup. It probably took me 20 minutes to vote, and it wasn't because some old guy was taking forever. It was because there was about 10 people in front of me. It's the whole in advance thing. Well, it was raining really heavily, though. Like, I got all bundled up. I opened my front door. It's only a three-block walk, right? I opened my door, and it's pouring, pouring rain. And I go, uh-oh, this. And I go back, and I drive there <laughs> three blocks. <laughs> <laughs> Pull up right in front. <laughs> Go in there waiting for me. You <laughs> saying that uh, the lineups were short because it's raining, you think? Is yes. Right? Yes. And the story is Hannah tells me that the belief is that whoever is the leading candidate in any given riding suffers when it rains. Because the people, they f- yeah. They don't feel that they need to vote because yeah. they're going to get in anyway, so yeah, they should be fine. In my riding, it's Jagmeet Singh. So it would be like, oh, he's going to win, of course. So it's just too rainy out there. I'm not going to go. That would be the uh, the danger for the leading candidate. So does that mean if it rained all across Canada on an election day, the results would just be topsy-turvy? Yeah, I would say so. And some sometimes the weather is crazy all across the country. It just happens sometimes. You know, that's the kind of statement that normally you jump right down my throat for making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of statement where you normally pipe right up and say, when has that ever happened? Have you looked that up? Have you ever seen a satellite image where the weather's crazy all across Canada in a single day? Never mind an election day. PJ, have you? Have you? Well, I certainly remember times like that. Do you when? Yes. Oh, when specifically? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. actually, I Who believe was it was um, around 1973, November. Mid-month, could have been early month. But you so, yeah. so what you're telling me here is that I should just develop my facility for glib falsehood, well, and that know. way I can parry all. Are your you money. telling me that that facility <laughs> needs developing? <laughs> nice answer, and true. It does not. It does not. No, that's good. I'm glad you guys voted. That's important. And uh, I don't know. I was t- mentioning to KJ earlier that this year. I decided to abandon caution and just vote emotionally. I decided not to vote strategically. I decided oh. not to be made fearful. Uh-huh. Uh, anybody else? You didn't tell me how you voted, though. Or no, did... I did not. Oh, you didn't want Oddly. to. Oddly. I just know that, I uh, see, because as with many other things, I have rather, my, my actions are dictated by negativity in this case. Hmm. So I have a candidate that I wish not to win at almost any cost. And so a fearfully directed vote would would try to ensure that that candidate cannot win. 
But I decided that I would vote instead for a candidate, a leader in particular, that I thought was good. And just damn the torpedoes. If the really horrible guy that I don't want, person that I really want to get in, gets in as a result of the vote being split by people, so be it. Well, I voted uh, strategically for sure. But I mean, if I wasn't voting strategically, I may well have ended up voting for the same person anyway. Mm. <clears throat> but I, I reviewed the climate policies because I think that's the number one issue mm. for everyone, uh, even if they don't realize it is. <laughs> even yeah. if they're so foolish. Well, I suppose as to not think. I suppose matters. if someone their their jobs in the energy sector and they simply aren't employable, they just aren't. I don't. I don't you know, okay, yeah. Then I can see that their priority is is not going to be climate change. Yeah, but but generally speaking, I mean, it should be everybody's priority. And so I looked at the National Observer's report cards on climate change because it's complex, right? You got to so they do really good interpreting of the climate policy, and uh, they're all they're 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 all not bad. the The liberals are not bad actually for their climate policy. And uh, NDP is perhaps a little bit better. Green, surprisingly, not much better, really. But the conservatives are the ones they have quite a long policy, but it's it's a bad policy. So I figure from the observer's perspective. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's not just their opinion. I'm reading through yeah, kind of all the different points, and the the conservatives have a kind of a hope that by investing in uh, clean technologies, that that will take care of the problem. Yeah, and so they're just saying that you know, from a research perspective, that that doesn't seem to be the case. Like, ah. it's just like, there's nothing that they're, nothing they're just going burn, that. burn, baby, burn, right? Like, let's yeah. just make sure people stay employed and, and let's just hope that we, you know, put some money into some future technologies that will, uh, that will yeah. make oil, what become useless. Then, then all those people are going to lose their jobs anyway. Yeah. Like it's, it's all pretty weird, but, uh, Jagmeet, uh, he got my vote. Uh, just, just based on, yeah, he's in our writing, right? So just based on one video where he jumps, uh, no, it's the one where, um, he's talking about giving the natives water, right? Yeah. Cause there's so many reserves where they have to boil their drinking water and it's been like this for decades, right? Really three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What the hell? And so the liberals haven't taken care of that. Nope. Neither so, yeah. So some, will. some reporter, I'm not sure which reporter it was said, yeah, but you know, this is going to be a trillion dollars. So when is that gonna, when is that going to end? And Jagmeet, like he must've been ready for it. He's going, wait a minute, let's just, let's just dissect what you just asked me. Right. (laughs) And it's like, so are you saying that if, if Montreal had to boil their drinking water for 20 years, would you be asking me that same question? The reporters know, but you know, like he's reframing, he just, well, no, no, hold on just a sec. Let's talk about Edmonton. How about Edmonton? You know, like, so he just lists all the, like, if, and he ends up with Vancouver, you know, if Vancouver didn't have clean drinking water and we wanted to make it clean, would you be asking, well, when's this all going to end? Right. It was so, it's just, he did a really good job. He did a good job with a whole bunch of stuff. Like he's been nowhere forever, maybe because of the press, but then all of a sudden with this election, he's done a, he and his team have somehow... Yeah, I, I think he's, for my money, he's the only one who's acted like what I think of as an actual leader. He answers questions reasonably, thoughtfully, directly, not evasively. Uh, he's consistent. He doesn't change his 
approach on various things. He just, he has a bunch of stuff that he thinks he wants to say and do, and he just keeps going down the track. Trudeau is such a turnoff, hey, when he's in, when he's in front of a microphone now. Mm. Like somewhere along the line, you're just going, okay, we've seen what you've done now. Yeah, we've seen that. And when he does his little smile all of a sudden, and you're going, oh, come on, what is that? Have you noticed that? We need to you just get, talk, and then he does this weird little smile, like he's I, going, I "Oh, have, I, I've been told I have to smile." Yeah, I, I think. Well, no, I don't think. I, I would like. I would. It's too bad we don't have a woman in the room right now, just to maybe give us some insight. Because I think in his last election run, there was a lot of uh, Hollywood in it. You know, it he was, was the dashing young hope. Well, maybe he mm. appealed more to women than men. I think he appealed a lot more to youth than older people. Yeah. And I think the, what's that? The blooms off that rose? Is that the expression? Yes. People have seen, and it's not really his fault. It's just a question of what's no. realistically possible, you know? Yeah, but I mean, election reform was moved removed instantly. Yeah, that's true. And like it was what, three, four days after he was yeah. in power? Yeah, we're not going to do election reform. Yeah, that's true. And Jugmeet has said that he's going to tooth and nail. He's never, this is the last election he's going to be involved in that doesn't, that involves first past the post. Oh, is that right? If he has he's, any say about it. That's what yeah. he said, yeah. yeah. He's going to work as hard as he can to be sure that that's the case. Well, that's good. So I don't know what'll happen. I mean, by the time anybody hears this, we'll all know. Uh, so let's make bold predictions, boys. So we're recording this on election day. Who... I guess let's have questions about which party is going to rule and will they or will they not have a majority or a minority government? I don't think it'll be a majority government, but uh, I was wondering if the Liberals, NDP, Greens, uh, can they f form a coalition? Can Anybody can. It can be a three-way. Uh, it can be, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, no, I just saw that uh, the Governor General might have a fun time next week. Why? How come? Deciding who, if it's close enough, deciding who the prime minister is. Like sometimes the rules aren't clear, right? Yeah. Well, so I just depending on who they talk to, right? Like mm -hmm. if Jagmeet says, or like if Jagmeet and Trudeau says, no, you can't make Sheer the prime minister. You have to think about something else. I, I don't know how they exactly. Well, so so let's. I just want to be sure that you're not referring to Sheer saying. It's a convention of modern politics that the guy with the most seat wins. You're not you're not referring to that as being the confusing. No, 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 no. Good, I actually didn't read about it, but but just, she might have a little bit of. Work I mean, basically, to do. I think the governor general's job is to try to ensure that we don't have to have another election next week. Remember the last BC election, right? So the the, the parliament doesn't fall in the first yeah. session. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the the lieutenant governor was very busy. After the BC election. Yeah. Because that was really weird, like how tight it was. Yeah. Between, yeah. And they had to, uh, I think their job is to try to be sure that if somebody walks into the room and says, us two, we're going to get together, try to be sure that they really are going to be together and there, there will yeah. not be an unstable government. Yeah. And it's a so le anyways, lieutenant. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, it's, that's my American roots. I mean, I was there for 12 years and then, and like a Scot- the lieutenant got locked in for me in my first 12 years. But uh, Do you know, Mr. Singh has the correct pronunciation for his first name actually right in the front of his Twitter. Okay, how is it pronounced? Jugmeet. Oh, okay. Jug? 
Jug, J, and he yeah. spells it out that way phonetically. Yeah. Well, J-U-G hyphen M-E-E-T. Well, next go. time he should spell his name right then. Yeah, or his parents should, damn it. Yeah. Whatever country that is, they got to learn spelling. <laughs> uh, so your prediction, KJ, is what? I wouldn't be surprised if it's if uh, Shear wins uh, with a very small majority. I mean... Uh, minority. Uh, minority. In, Sorry, what? Well, 32% to 30%, something like that. And that I would bet that the, certainly the Greens and the NDP together would hold the balance of power. If not... No, actually, the NDP will probably do well enough to hold the balance of power by itself with either of the two parties. There's the block, though, right? Are, oh, that's right. They're going to do well, too, aren't they? Yeah, they may well, in fact, and that, that'll beat take, the NDP. Oh, but that'll take... In terms of seats. Oh, like Nat? Oh, oh, okay, okay. There you go, there you go. That's right. And that's going to kick the shit out of the liberals in Quebec, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If if what's supposed to happen happens, yeah. yeah. Well, but, we'll know but soon maybe it's soon. raining in so, Quebec. Yeah. Nice Weather's one. crazy. All across Canada. Who knew? I guess this happens quite a bit on election day. Um, I probably shouldn't, I probably phrased it incorrectly. I probably should have said, what are our predictions for which party will rule as opposed to mm. whatever win the election means? Which party will rule and will they rule with the majority or not? Don't know. Nobody will rule with a majority. Yeah, we don't think so. What? I don't think so either. Oh, your, your prediction is there will not be a majority government then. Yes, that's okay. what I believe. So that's then, right. Next step. But I mean, if they got up to like 38%, then they might have a majority. Yes. But I, I think hopefully there's no majority. So you guys agree that there will be a minority government? I expect not agree. I mean, I'm just going to be Mr. What Pro- the, probabilities what here. What's the difference between agreeing and expecting? Well, you're saying there will be. I'm saying there will probably be probably be no majority government. Skinny's on the warpath today, no, isn't he? No, not. Yeah. Rich is on the warpath. God. No, he's got his hat turning a little bit sideways, right? I I've do seen not. That. RJ is on the warpath here. He's giving me the gears at every turn. So I'm going to try this again, you tool heads. Which party is going to rule, and will they rule with a majority of seats in Parliament or not? I'm only going to answer the second question because I actually have no idea. Well, that's because I don't know. The game, I don't know so who. Predict. I don't know who the block's going to fall behind, and I don't know if the NDP and the Greens together will beat out the block. I don't know either, and I guess the joy of the exercise is guessing. Anyways. No, I don't like guessing. What do you think, Skinny? It's just not going to play. What's it going to be? I think play. it'll be a liberal minority government backed by the NDP, and the Greens won't matter, and the block will try to line up with the Conservatives. But the Bloc and the Conservatives won't add up to enough to rule. And the Conservatives, eh, I don't think the Conservatives are likely to promise the Bloc whatever the Bloc's going to want to be promised. Because they've never historically oh, been allies. Of course, of course. So I think that... The Bloc gets, yeah, it gets tricky t- trying to have a coalition with the Bloc yeah. for those two the big parties because of the French, of course, I mean, of course. The conservatives probably like the idea of disallowing headgear, religious headgear and that kind of thing. The block's probably behind that as well, right? Yeah, I think so. They probably have that one thing to line up on. (laughs) So that's my prediction. Whether I'm right or wrong, everybody will know by the time they hear this. So Mm -hmm. that'll be fun. Everybody can mock me freely as they listen. 
Okay, we we're up to seventeen minutes of politics now. So probably that's probably a good wrap on that, eh? <laughs> you just edit that out if I just sound too negative or or just make me make me leave me out hanging there. Just hang you can hang. Okay. Uh yeah. I don't know. That's what I think. It's shameful that I'm the only one that'll step out and make a guess, for God's sakes. Well, that's, you know, like, I'd give that a P equals 0.45, what you just said. Great. And then maybe a P, like, there's so many fractured probabilities. Absolutely. That I'm just not too interested in hazarding a guess, because it's just like a spinning spinner. Well, that's well said. I mean, that, I'm, I'm not even being facetious. That is well said. That is the problem with taking guesses, is that sometimes they're just... You may as well just close your eyes and stick a pin in the wall and see yeah. where it lands. Whereas I would have confidently told you that Hillary was going to win in the States in 2016. Yeah, me I too. I wouldn't have kind of... Me too. No guessing there. No. I, no. Well, of course she's clear. Gonna, yes, very clear. <laughs> no, me too. I 100. That's why I'm so outraged. Show, I'm so... I should just go ahead and get dentures, and then it would be okay for me to say stuff like that so often. Um <laughs> So how are things with you guys? What's new in your lives? What's up? <laughs> nothing. We probably have nothing on our list either, eh? Oh, I got something in there. I can't remember what it is, though. Okay. I got... Uh, Marrowbone. Oh, that's the shopping list. I got a gig. I got a new gig. Oh. Theater. Right. You do. It's not any time right shortly after November, is it? No, no. It's next year. Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Because we can only put so many episodes in the can, that's why. <laughs> What's it going to be? Yeah. It's called The Little Red Warrior and His Lawyer. And they did it at the studio. When I was when I went back there to do Midsummer Night's Dreams, the same group. So Kevin Loring wrote it. He was in the studio at the time. Had it commissioned by Catherine Shaw at Studio 58. There's a couple of dramaturges involved then. And now Kevin Loring is head of the Indigenous Theatre at the National Arts Centre. And he is coming to direct it at the Belfry, open at the Belfry in September. 2020. 2020. Move to New York right here for a couple of weeks probably and then go to the NAC. So it's like August till December. NAC is what? National Arts National, Council? National Arts Centre. Center in Ottawa. In Ottawa, holy smoke! So nice. Eh? What's the total run? Expected run? Month? It, it, well, September to December, but there, there'll be two, probably at least two unpaid weeks in there because they'll probably do a week between Victoria and Vancouver, and then a week between Vancouver and Ottawa. This sounds fantastic. Hotel time. Yeah, that does right. sound good. Yeah, and it's so a, it's a fun little piece too. What kind of role do you have? Well, he's sort of the narrator. But of course, it's a, it's kind of a farcy kind of a thing. Uh, but it, so he also plays other people. Like he'll, he'll actually put on a white hard hat to be the oh, that's the funny. oil company guy, and then the the wig for the yeah. judge, and then goes to the appeals court and he just puts on a bigger wig and <laughs> goes to the Supreme Court and he puts it's on the biggest wig. wig. That's funny. We've seen that device Spoiler used alert. lots and lots. Like, hasn't that been done all the way through sort of the history of theater where there's a narrator who plays miscellaneous parts yeah, 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 and yeah. speaks aside, that has the lines in the part, yeah. you know, defense will now bring their witnesses, 
and then leans aside and says stuff directly to the audience yeah, about yeah, it all. Yeah. It's very much like that. Anyway, it's uh, fun. That's fun. Okay, this is going to be too late for our audience, but what's the piece that you're in right now or about to start? The Father. The Father. Now, this is a, a different show, is it? Because you did another one where you had Alzheimer's. Yes, yes. And this one Completely is a, different. But it's another one in which you yep. have. Yeah. So. Typecast again? Typecast, yeah. Yeah, it's niche. I can't remember my lines. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, I get that. <laughs> Tip your waitress. <laughs> yeah, and that starts a week today. A rehearsal starts a week today, and I'm doomed. I'm doomed. Well, oh, because you can't remember your lines? Seriously? We can't get to memorizing them. Oh. Right. I'm a good memorizer. Yeah, no, I yeah. was always. Uh, but you just have to get to it, don't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> my lifeline, lifelong observation has been, I just don't know how the hell you do that. I really don't. It's, you so, ever see him do that? Try to memorize and do it? It's no, just No, but crazy. you're saying you're really good and, and you're doomed. And, and as part of the fact that you will be ready, you will be ready, it's because you feel you're doomed? Like if you didn't feel you were doomed, you wouldn't get around to. Perhaps. Right? Perhaps. Yeah. So now you got the I'm, pressure every single day when you wake up, you're feeling. Closer to doom. Closer to doom. Closer and closer. Yeah. And I'm, I actually uh, manage my life like that. That I was going to say. I will not do it until I have to do it. Yeah. And a lot of times that's the night before. Right. So you're a deadline guy. I certainly am. Now that's the night before. The night before, in this case, doesn't work because, you know, it's 100 pages of memorization. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you've already done rehearsals, have you? Nay, nay, nay. Okay, so you're talking about the night before the first rehearsal, the first... Yes. Yes, okay. Yeah. So uh, funny, I just and, heard a... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and I, and I understand that. Like, if you show up and your lines aren't memorized, it kind of wrecks the rehearsal for everyone, right? In a sense? No, 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 no. You can read if you have to. I think it leaves everyone else with a great sense of accomplishment because they're so much more ready than he is. Yeah, yeah. Their whole game goes up because they're feeling good about it. No, there's an equity rule that you do not have to be off book, which means you can can carry your script right up until the first public performance. Okay. So you can... You can hold your script in the tech dress. So the but do people start whispering when you do that? <laughs> <laughs> the fun part of that remark is thinking about the fact, just think about the history that drove equity, that union or group, to implement that rule. Think about the history of directors saying to people, when you step in here and meet the rest of the cast, you better know your lines. Every damn one, or you're going to step right back out again. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Because like you're trying to build a fire, right? And if, if some of the sticks come in wet. Yeah. <laughs> so they made a rule that said, no. Oh, <laughs> but they, they still try that though. Uh, very often in any rehearsal, you're, you're two weeks in and they're, they're actually panicking and say, okay, everybody for the start of our third week, because in, you know, in five days we're in tech and we got to, everybody's off book on Monday. Right. And I always say, uh, actually you can't ask, you can't ask them to do that. You can't ask us to do that. Oh. It stays <laughs> because I'm usually the deputy, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, in the book, here, according the deputy, to deputy, what? Deputy, deputy. It's the shop steward. The shop steward. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, 
I did not know that, that you're a union agitator of long standing. I didn't know. No, that. somebody has to do it, right? And everybody hates to do it. I it gets easier see. and easier because you, the only thing you have to do is tell equity at the end of the production that everybody got paid. That's really all you got to do. And then there's certain little squabbles that'll happen, but that, those are very rare, like like harassment and yeah, yeah. shit like that, or just... Or like being off book two weeks before premiere. yeah. yeah. What fun. I didn't know that, Mo. That's interesting. Maybe I won't be this time. Maybe I'll be too busy in one of the younger... So is there any correlation between the frequency of work and the involvement, the degree of your involvement in those conversations? Any any correlation? Uh, sorry, I don't understand the question. Have you noticed, since you've become more and more frequently the... Deputy? Deputy. Any change in the volume of work? Are you being blackballed is what I meant. No, no. <laughs> McNulty, are you kidding me? He's the deputy. I'm not going to hire him. Well, guess what? Somebody He's, else has to be the deputy. Yeah, nothing true. but trouble. He's nothing. That guy. He's an agitator. Uh, no skin. No. Different world, I'm afraid. And I also... No did. gun thugs? <laughs> no. I didn't know you were a deadline-driven guy. What was the quote? The quote from the guy who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide? To the galaxy, Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams. He says, I love deadlines. I love the sound they make as they go whooshing by. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great line. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, it'll all be fine, though. It always works out, doesn't it? Well, you see, that's, with, that's my approach to taxes. Only, and the reason it works so well with taxes is because you can just flex that baby. Depending on how much money you want to spend, you can just flex that thing forever. That deadline? Yeah. <laughs> Say, Moby, I noticed on the way in this morning, we talked a prior episode about your front steps. I noticed as I came in this morning, there's kind of a <clears throat> random looking series of holes in your front steps. Yes, go on. I believe they were drilled for drainage and aeration purposes. Yes, drainage for sure. Are they intended to stay that way? Because I had some thoughts about how you could... High heels? <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking about high heels. That's good. Now thing. that you mention it, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd oh. be reading the fine print on your insurance before you... Uh... No, I was just thinking you could say they, they represent some Knights Templar code or something like that for treasure that's hidden under the stair landing. Nice. Anything. Should we put up a little plaque? Because, <laughs> yeah, because they just look so random, right? But I believe way back in episode 66, you discussed some issues you were having with those stairs. Nice. Oh, yes. Nicely done, RJ. That's good. And uh, how have you uh, Well, how have you dealt with those? What was the issue again? And the issue was the... the uh, DAP stuff that I bought, which is this new Skookum filler, um, more Skookum than anything ever invented, according to what I read. <laughs> so I put it on, and perhaps my technique was off because maybe it was thicker than it should have been, but it had two solid days to dry, <clears throat> to set up, and then first rain... A lot of it turned to mush, and I and so I sort of tried to cover. I didn't. I wasn't going to start over again because it was raining. So then the next sunny day, I actually got heaters out there and little uh, things to make sure the air got to where it was going to go. And that worked for a couple of days, and then it rained again, and there was a little bit more mush. 
uh, or still some mush, but finally, after I think a four day dry patch, I believe it's set up, but right now, I bet if you went out there and you touched some of it, there, there might be some sogginess. So you needed to make sure that it didn't stay wet, so you needed some drainage. Well, I think part of the theory was there was not enough ventilation underneath, and that was keeping moist air from escaping underneath, which was causing rot, mm-hmm. and might also be preventing the stuff. I think this is right. Tell me if I'm wrong. Y- yes, and that's, I haven't corrected that problem. I need to put vents. Under- oh, I thought maybe that's what the holes were. <laughs> no, well, they might help a little bit. No, those, there was little tiny holes there before. These ones that I noticed on the way in today are about an inch in diameter. Yes, they are. Three quarters anyway. Easy enough. <laughs> even the most aggressively, <laughs> even the most sensible shoes likely to get. I mean, that. yeah, if you're, st- most people, when they step upstairs, do they not put the front of their foot down? And it, but what's going to happen is someone's going to have a, a stair conversation, right? When you're standing <laughs> on the stairs. Now you kind of turn your feet so they're fully oh. on the steps. <laughs> oh, man. And it sinks in just... and you pitch over backwards <clears throat> and land like in front of Lucy's yeah, front Yeah, but door. the hole catches that. So you're pitching backwards, <laughs> but now the shoes are holding your feet at a certain angle. If the heel while, doesn't break. <laughs> while your back is plummeting towards the sidewalk. You guys are just bearers of good news. That's that's what I'm getting here. It's all about the fine print and the insurance, I think. This uh-huh. is awesome. <laughs> next next session, we're going to come here. There's going to be little signs that say runners only, please. Or, or little signs that say for sale. Yeah, no, no heels. Anyway. Just what do we got here? What's on the... What's up? I Skin, look. I need you to drive, please. No. <laughs> No, you came in here with attitude and hat okay. and drive. All right, I'll drive. I believe we have Tales from the Shuttle coming up here. Yeah. DJ, something about love seat on the road. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a fun one. This wasn't me directly. But it made me think. So one of the other drivers, Dale of North Vancouver, not a regular listener, but shout out to Dale. Cyclist, all round bon vivant. Uh, he was driving one day and he was going on Highway 1 eastbound across the bridge over the Capilano River. And he gets to the east end of the Capilano River bridge deck. And there's a love seat still in the plastic <laughs> right in the lane, right in the slow lane at the far end of the bridge, just right there. And he said traffic was slowing down and people were going around it and everything. And he came back later on in the day and it was gone. But for me, what I thought was fun about this was how does, how do you lose that? How do you lose the whole love seat and just not even notice? Like what happens is the back fly open on your moving truck his big truck you're with a buddy in his f-350 and you hit one of those massive potholes this was dale's theory it's going to be one of these big trucks hauling stuff you've seen them you go and did they really tie that stuff down right it doesn't look right to me but do you, would, would you put a brand new couch in love seat like or love seat you've just, also seen the trucks what i hear you but i just I, they're hauling a whole load to the brick but haven't you seen a truck where the door is going up and down as they come to a halt? They yeah, come to a halt and yeah. the door starts creeping up. And you go, oh, that's and, not and good. And both of those are, those are reasonable theories, both of them. But then 
Do you guys think it's reasonable that it would fall off and the driver just wouldn't even notice? Well, yes. he, he couldn't. Yes. He probably, maybe he did notice and said, okay, we got to go all the way around and come back and get yeah. this thing, right? Or if you can't see me, I can't see you. And it turns out the couch can't see him. <laughs> I don't know. That was the part that I liked about that story. I was trying to imagine, like... Dale said, well, maybe it was a guy with a buddy who has a pickup truck and they bought a couch and love seat and they're bringing it home. And they had the music turned on really loud. They just hit one of those potholes and they got home. And now there's having a really difficult conversation with somebody about where's the love seat. <laughs> oh, I was there when I left. You know, like, how does that even happen? Wow. I thought it was fun anyway. So, yeah. still, and the thing that got me, still in the plastic. Yeah. Not even unwrapped. Yeah, they're going to get told, go back and find the love seat. Yeah. Going, okay, yeah. I'll right. retrace my steps. Right now. Wow. No, somebody got, got off the ferry in a pickup and went, fine, score. Here, we let's get, honey, just put on the emergency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. See, I saw the title of that and I thought, okay, well, it was going to be a couple making out in the back seat of the shuttle. Oh, no, no. Like, like oh, that's right. I said uh, Riders on oh the Storm. God. That's right. Love Seed on the Bridge. Whoa. Oh, there is one more thing on there, too. And it is RJ. Here you are in the shed. You're wearing a stylish, stylish hat. Sue calls it a Charlie Brown hat. Yeah, because it's, well, but it's, uh, I guess we, I guess I need to take a picture. And we'll put that on the website because uh, you've just come back from an extensive tour. Wall drugs. Wall drug. Yeah. Wall drug, Dude, South wall. Dakota. Of that's, South that's... Dakota and Saskatoon and Salt Lake City, I think I heard somewhere in there. And we been Baker City. Mayor, man. Yeah. What was going on? What What was up with that? Were you gone for way longer than you expected? To no, be, it was going to be a road trip. We were thinking two and a half weeks. We had some dates blocked out in the calendar. Rob called, uh, tried to call us the night before. Rob of Saskatoon? Yeah, my, my brother. Yeah. And uh, Cap'n Bob. And uh, he tried to call me on my cell, tried to call Sue on her cell, tried to call us on our home number. And like I was playing in the foosball tournament, so we're just like, you know how it is. You get a phone. He was calling from work, so it, he wasn't in my contacts. So it's just a long-distance phone number. You know it's going to be a robo-call, not, not a robo-call, if you know oh, what I mean. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, <laughs> and then he finally sends a text or something and says, give me a call or whatever. So now we're thinking, uh, uh-oh, he's warning us about the weather. Or something's happened, and we're gonna, so we're thinking we're going to go to California instead. But then we get a hold of him, and he's just like, uh, "So you guys driving here or flying?" Right. So you know, we answered that question again. <laughs> you heard it there, ladies and gentlemen. Body blow. Body blow. <laughs> there you go. And now we're back on track. So we're heading for uh, Saskatoon. So you know, go through Revelstoke. Because Glenn uh, Voke Bay uh, often talks about Revelstoke, his childhood home. And uh, we actually go visit his childhood home from the outside, take a picture of it. It's a nice little place, stucco. And we go up Mount Revelstoke, which is where uh, they have a little memorial bench for the parents, oh, for really? Bill and Terry. And we actually weren't even thinking about that bench. And we stopped at a viewpoint, and there's the bench. And oh, we found really? it. Yeah. So they managed to get it placed at a popular That's point too. a nice little nice. thing. It, it looks like it's not just a memorial to the parents, but it's a compliment to the people of Revelstoke. So I thought that was kind of nice. 
And then up we go to Mount Revelstoke and we, we do the whole, there's just a smallish hike to get to right to the peak and have some views and stuff. So then on to Calgary, we were tourists in Calgary for about two thirds of a day. Loved it. Cause I never go to Calgary, right? And it's been, we lived there, PJ and I lived there in 1977 for about four Is or five months. 77, 78, mm-hmm. somewhere yeah. in there. No, 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 it's not somewhere in there. You know, for Come sure, because I really don't. Where did El- when did Elvis die? I don't know. Where were you when Elvis died? I'm sure I don't know that. Okay, well, you might have actually already gone home by then because you left a little bit earlier than me, right? Yeah, I went either late August or very okay. early. Well, I was feeding some branches into a into a, you know, chipper, <laughs> Fargo style. Yeah, that's right. Um, the chipper was turned off in between and then uh, the radio said that Elvis had died. So, yeah. Wow. 1977. Anyway, Calgary is a great place to be a tourist and we just loved it. We walked around. We had the best dim sum ever. And we, uh, we actually, the breeze kicked in and the next thing you know, we're taking all those walkways, you yeah. know, the ones that connect the buildings. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And then, uh, now we're going to go to Saskatoon and there's a little town called Hannah, Alberta on the way. And we're going, what's, what's with Hannah? We've heard something about Hannah. And then, so we figure it out. It's home of Nickelback. Nice. I think I got a text from there and I just kind of, <laughs> honestly, I had a moment of confusion because I thought somebody from Nickelback was like from Fruitvale or something like that. Uh, maybe. But uh, Sue's a Nickelback fan and I, in fact, went to the concert with her and I enjoyed the show and uh, I kind of liked, I want to like them because everyone thinks that you're not supposed to like them. So mm. that makes me want to like them even more, right? But uh, they are, I mean, they're a craftsman band, let's face it. I mean, they know how to churn out the hits. But anyway, we go there, we get, uh, Sue gets her picture taken by uh, Hannah Alberta, home of Nickelback sign. <laughs> and we went to the local, oh yeah, and we, we stay at the Can Alta there, uh, uh, hotel, motel there. And the front desk guy is just like, kind of like a prairies guy, like someone you might meet on corner gas, right? Kind of a friendly guy, maybe goes on a little bit more long about the local scenario for you. Right. So we want to know how to go see the uh, paintings, the Nickelback paintings, which are on an arena there. And he draws us a really nice map on paper. He goes on and on. He goes, I live right over here. (laughs) And he's given us all these extra details, which is kind of fun, right? Because we're not in a hurry or anything. how big a town is it? I'd say there's 1,500 people there, maybe 2,000, something like that. tiny. Yeah. And what is this Nickelback paintings thing? Are yeah, well, uh, there's or? a local artist who d- takes every Nickelback album, paints the front cover and the back cover, and it's not like a <laughs> like a pho- photographic type painting. There's yeah. a little bit of interpretation and technique in it. So they're actually pretty cool looking paintings. But it's got, you know, like the, the track names are painted on and on the back cover and then in the Hannah indoor, uh, indoor rodeo was on at the time. We never went and saw it, but it was actually on at that arena. So it was a big deal for them, the locals. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was all just kind of fun. It was, uh, had a blast anyway. So on we go to Saskatoon, Rob and April have a really lively house. The Sydney and her boyfriend live there and, uh, the other daughter, Ariel and Orion, her husband, they're there and it's just fun. So we had fun for about three nights there and April's working for the NDP federal right now. So it's pretty heavy going for her up till today. She gets today off, I'm sure. But, uh, 
Yeah, so then Sue notices that uh, we're going to go down to uh, the park. In the States, it's Glacier National Park in mm-hmm. Montana, right? What's the BC name? Waterton. Waterton, yeah. We're, so we're going to Waterton. Sue's been tracking the weather the whole time. I'm just like, we'll drive, and if something happens, we'll deal with it, right? Sue's like, you know, <laughs> Waterton is supposed to get three feet, like one meter three of snow feet? in one day, right? Whoa. And my stupid weather at's like maybe some light snow, right? Like, but anyway, uh, it turned out that that's what it got. Got about three feet of snow. You probably heard Al- uh, Calgary oh, yeah. was like, slammed. yeah, slammed. So, so, so just, I, I don't so, want to drag you too far off here, but I just want to mention this for our listening audience in case they have feedback. Why is that? Because I had the same sort of complaints with the weather app on my phone. It's really pretty inadequate most of the time. Yeah, well, my what weather app deal? for normal around town weather that's not extreme, it seems to be quite decent. But this weather app, it would show Waterton and, you know, light snow. And then there's a, a lightning bolt in the corner that's kind of glowing, yeah. inviting you to tap it. You tap that and you get the... Uh, Canada advisory. The severe weather. That one says three feet of snow. Don't go anywhere near here. Like, so the same weather app gives you two different stories. Yeah. Who knows what. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to drag you. No, no, but uh, yeah. So Sue's, uh, so now like Sue's looking at roots and I'm, you know, I don't want to think about 18 different contingencies, but you know, it's good thing that Sue's looking ahead anyway. So she's, uh, she's going, you know, I've always wanted to go to Chicago. And uh, <laughs> so we're, well, we're out here. Yeah, I just think, well, sign me up. Yeah, let's go. I got the credit card. Saskatoon's way the hell out there already, right? But we do the math and no, there's no way we can. We're just going to be long driving days each and every day kind of thing. No relaxation. But when we're looking at the route, there's Minneapolis, St. Paul. And we're going, okay, well, that's an interesting pair of cities you hear about all the time. Surely there's something interesting there. And so that's how we... We ended up going there. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I didn't know. That's fairly far over there. It's still fairly far, but we did fine. Like the car's comfortable. What's uh, what's due north of Minneapolis-St. Paul in Canada? Mm-hmm. Winnipeg? In, uh, Winnipeg or yeah. at least Manitoba. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, it turns out that the northern Minnesota is called the land of 10,000 lakes. And uh, all it turns out that the northern part of... Uh, of Minneapolis or Minnesota is very beautiful. And I knew uh, one day I was tracing the Mississippi and I wanted to see where was the headwaters. So I knew that the headwaters were up there. So that's what we did. We went and saw oh, the headwaters. Saw I saw that. That's yeah. a cool picture. Yeah. Like when you think about that a little bit, <laughs> yeah. this is the spot you can see in the picture. Uh, listeners do go look on the website. I hope this gets put up on the website, but on the right-hand side of the picture, there's the clearly still waters of a lake. And then in the middle of the picture, it begins to riffle as it exits the lake across yeah. a wide, yeah. low, sandbar-y kind of thing. And on the left side of the picture, it's clearly a stream. Yeah. It doesn't get much clearer. Headwater picture doesn't yeah. get much clearer yeah. than that. Oh, there really you are. A cool thing. It is just awesome. And isn't, isn't Prince from there? Yes, he is, for sure, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so we had it on, we decided to stay in St. Paul, uh, for whatever reason we thought we'd be tourists in St. Paul for one day and Minneapolis the next, cause the two cities, they always talk about Minneapolis, St. Paul, and uh, that's a kind of urban area. There's about eight cities in that urban area, but those are the two big ones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we stayed in St. Paul one day 
and uh, saw some cool stuff there. State capital's a thing with us, so we, we go to every state capital we can, and provincial capitals too, although we haven't been to that many. But uh, so so the next day we're going, well, we got to see Paisley Park, right? So that's Prince's house. In the same way that Graceland, in fact, it's the same company, I think, that manages Graceland. Yeah. People have told me that's an amazing experience. And so uh, Paisley Park is a really cool experience too. So what we crazy little niche that is. We well, Prince was huge in Minneapolis, St. Paul. No, I'm talking about a company. The same. Co- Do they go out and solicit famous rock stars? You know, like well, hey, when you croak, we'll uh, we'll manage your childhood yeah, home for you. Look yeah. what we've done for Graceland and Paisley Park. I don't know. We we had time anyway. We purposely set the tour for 12:30 p.m. so that it wouldn't be a big rush. And, you know, as we set the controls for Paisley Park, (laughs) GPS is just amazing, isn't it? It really is. Like, it changes the way your vacations are. Changes a lot. I mean, it's actually kind of fun using maps instead. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. But you certainly can accomplish a lot more because you'd spend a lot less time puzzling over the map. So there we go. We set the controls for Paisley Park. I'm driving speed limit, maybe a little over at most 5k well, it's over. It's just, you everything's just perfect. The car's comfortable. You can stop whenever you want. It has radar food. cruise control. So I hardly touch the gas pedal, man. Oh, it's just awesome. dreamy. And so we're pulling into Paisley you Park. You should have gone to Chicago. Pulling into Paisley Park. And it's just like, this is the park. Oh, this is not where we're supposed to be at all. Um. Prince named his compound after Paisley Park. His compound's nowhere near Paisley Park. It's called Paisley Park, but it's not near Paisley Park. So the company that manages Prince's home isn't doing a good job on their internet presence. So, so much for the 5K over the speed limit, man. Now we're going, we're hauling down the freeway. Sue's going, do we really need to do this? I'm going, yes, we do. (laughs) Because the ticket clearly says if you're like three minutes late, late, you're done. Through gritted teeth, yes, we do. Steely-eyed. And we're just screaming down and forth. Fortunately, the left lane would be mostly clear or whatever. And so, yeah, we made it there right on time and the, no cell phones allowed. So I had to go back out to the car to put the cell phones back in the car and, and, uh, yeah, just had a lovely tour. Highly recommend it next time you're ever in Minneapolis listeners. If you're ever there, it's a fantastic tour. Just take you through there. You know, you got you, your memorabilia, but he has whole rooms set up and they'd say, oh, you know, the time that, uh, he really liked uh, basketball, so we had the women's basketball, women's NBA team over, and they, you know, stayed up all night. And this is where he cooked them pancakes in the morning. Just little factoids like that. They just never ended, right? And the uh, tour guide was the perfect tour guide. Like she's about twenty three, twenty four. You, if she was on a script, you would never know it. It's just she's just telling you stuff. And you ask a question, she tells you in the same voice. Some did, and it's just that's like she's excellent. just talking, right? That's excellent. None of that sing-songy voice. Yeah, stuff. I was just going to say we've had a lifetime thing of mocking the sing-songy voice. In usually, park rangers really have it badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, small town museum guides really yeah. have it badly. Oh, it was really bad in in uh, what's just south of Saskatoon is. Uh, 
Moose Jaw. Oh, Moose Jaw has Moose Jaw. No, Moose Jaw has some uh, tunnels in it, and so there's a tunnel thing, and it's performance as well. And so the the actor, she, I think maybe she was trying to be a sing songy tour guide, but oh. it was really really annoying. But yeah, you know. those Al Capone's tunnels or something. That's the ones. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah, and it could have been a good tour, maybe with a family with some younger kids and stuff. It'd be kind of fun. But for uh, for me, I was just no. Please you get got, me out of here. Do you got a minute to just tell me what Al Capone has tunnels in Moose Jaw for? Well, I can't tell you that because it's highly fictional, and they oh. simply would never tell you when they're talking fiction or reality. Oh. And Sue and I are more interested. We should have gone on the. There's another. There's a second one, which is the Chinese history in Moose Jaw. And that one's more serious yeah. and more educational, and that would have been pretty yeah, yeah. pretty interesting to see. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah, in, and then the prince, this estate is huge. Like, it's massive. He built it after Purple Rain. That's when the money poured in. So suddenly he has the money, and he's still creative, but he creates himself the per- purpose, per- perfect place to live in and have a studio. Like, we got to walk through these studios, and they'd tell us what was recorded here and stuff, and it was just mm. beautiful. Like, all these isolation booths all the all the way around. You know, here's where the drummer was, and Prince was doing everything on these albums. So he'd yeah. go into the drumming booth and work for a while and, and stuff. he uh, self-produced, didn't he? And... and- like yeah. he, he was his own company. He did the, yeah, he did as much as he could. And when Warner brothers got a hold of his, the rights to his albums, that's when he changed his name to the symbol right, right. that can't be pronounced. And, and so he did that eight years later, Warner brothers just gave him ownership of all his albums. Somehow they'd kind of figured it all out, but then he died a couple of years after that. But yeah, and then all of a sudden they take you in another room. Well, there's a beautiful piano, like, oh my, it looks like a motorboat, this piano. And then you're now all of a sudden you're in a concert hall, like full size with a big stage and everything. So he has it in his house. They can put on concerts and film them, which he did for subsequent movies after Purple Rain. And then you see this and you see that. And it's all just like, oh my God. And this is what he wore when he performed at 2008 in Coachella. And I'm going, I was there in 2008. I missed it. Huh. <laughs> so, oh, well, that doesn't. And then, uh, yeah. And then they take you to the nightclub. And if, if you bought the Saturday night package, you basically have a party in the nightclub to end the whole thing. But that sounds yeah. pretty great. Oh, it was just, that was, we were just smiling all the way through it. Like it was, it was just like wonderful. Yeah. That does sound pretty great. Yep. So that was minutes. No, that was Minneapolis. Yes. And then, so we're heading down towards South Dakota then after that. And as we enter South Dakota, we start to get these signs on the road. Wall drug since 1931. Wall drug, five cents coffee. Maybe they sell lifesavers. Free iced water. Wall drug. Really? (laughs) Yeah. They're the kings of the signs, and it's been—it's this big drug store, I guess, was originally what it was, and uh, and it started in 1931, and it's never stopped. And there are so many signs. We were taking the back roads, and we got lots of signs. The freeway has apparently the big billboards. Did they do any of those Burma shave type things? No, but I mean, it was kind of like that, and they're all a little bit off kilter, like. 
free ice water. Yeah. Really? But you read the Wikipedia article and that was one of their big draws, free ice water. Cause you know, South Dakota can be pretty hot, right? Yeah. In 1931, it would be a big deal. Yeah. And sure. how many, is it a chain of stores? No, no. Wall drug is in wall, South Dakota. One store? One big store. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's a town is named. There's wall. four doors and they're named door number one, door number two. So you choose which door you're going in. And one of those great restaurant in there, and there's uh, the gift shop to end all gift shops. And uh, there's uh, all this stuff that you can buy. And uh, what else is going on in that town? Badlands. So uh, Wall, Wall, South Dakota is where you would typically say, stay to visit the Badlands. Okay. And uh, we didn't plan it, so I, we stayed there two nights. And we could have stayed there just one night toured the Badlands and then continued to the west towards Mount Rushmore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so because we were in Waldrug, I picked up a couple of little items for you guys. Oh, look at this. Because it had the gift shop to end all gift shops. That's right. Holy Dinah. We got to get out more. He's way yeah, ahead on points. Headphones. You got us headphones? <laughs> Dave got you a wall drug uh, can opener with Mount Rushmore on it. Oh, nice. How far away is Mount Rushmore from wall? Just another two hours. Maybe. Oh. Yeah. Well, look at this. A bottle opener. Bottle opener. Jeez, okay, look Jay, at I this thing. This living in uh, paradise thing. It's got Mount you Rushmore. There, which is really a set of license plates, right? Uh. So, you know, I thought this would just fit the decor somewhere. Pop that on there, wall drug. It's got a jackalope in the middle. Of course it oh, does. Oh, the old fictional jackalope. Free ice water. Drug seems to take some kind of ownership over the concept of the jackalope, so I don't know. It might have actually started right there in South Dakota. Thanks, RJ. Look at I got this. That's very cool. Bottle opener here. It's just, but it's fun how it's. They do it out of license plates too, except. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the idea is there, right? The idea is there. South Dakota, South Dakota, South. This is fun because they here in the Mount Rushmore bottle opener, they they give you the dedication dates on all the faces, so you get an idea of how long it took. So Washington, nineteen thirty; Jefferson, nineteen thirty-six. Six years between Washington and Jefferson on Mount Rushmore to carve those faces. Wow. Six years. Oh, yeah. That whole thing. I think it went on for 40 or 50 years. Uh, yeah. Hard to know. Like Washington, 1930, Jefferson, 36, Lincoln, 37, Roosevelt, 39, final carving, whatever that even means, 1941. 41. So 11 yeah. years. However, however, probably took 20 or 30 years for the first one to get done. Because they're kind of prepping the entire mountain. Oh. And there's a lot involved in getting the first one done, like Washington, because his whole head sticks out. The other three, they're more like faces. Yeah, extremely tiny letters. It says head to chin on Washington. Looks like 60 feet. Then it is, whoa, it's really hard. The mouth on George Washington, you know, his tight-lipped mouth, 18 feet wide. <laughs> just so you know if he'd been smiling it would have been like 24 yeah and they would have had to have wooden inserts okay well i don't know about you guys but that's lovely most of 
most of what I've heard about uh, Mount Rushmore was a bit of a, you know, people would say, yeah, it's kind of disappointing. You know, don't, don't go all the way to South Dakota. For example, if you're at Yellowstone, it takes a long way to get to Rushmore because you have to kind of circle around. And uh, so, in fact, we were going to do that from Yellowstone one year and we didn't because we'd heard that you get all the way there and that's, you know, but no, it was amazing. Like we're totally pleased we went to, went there. Part of this is because we went in October and so we have the magic of small, tiny crowds, uh, you know, just not a lot of people to all the things that we went and saw in general. And, uh, the, the fee was $5 for the two of us, U S way to go national parks. Yeah. Because 60 years and up is half price. That's fine. Yeah, that's great. $10 for the two of you would have still been a steal. <laughs> you young people, you think you have a good, wait till you're 60. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look on the website for a video too. I believe you should post that as well. Yeah. The video you sent where RJ does his- uh, Big reveal. His big reveal. It's kind of cool because I my thought when I read, saw it was, this is probably how it went. You know, you're going along a trail someplace- and then you turn your head and there it was. There's, you can see the first one th- sort of through the trees, this big gigantor face. Yeah. Because in the video, I don't think you could see them all right away. I think you could only see Washington to start with. Mm. I could be wrong. I can't remember it that clear. It's kind of cool anyways. Yeah, it was fantastic. You do a little hike just to get a better view of them. So you get to see them from all these different angles. And we went on to see the... Uh, crazy horse monument which is an attempt at the same scale right. actually larger right um, but it, it's that. nowhere near as far along so we do have crazy horses face that's that started in the uh in the 76 yeah bicentennial didn't it crazy it could horse? easily be another 50 years because it's not government funded whereas rushmore was government funded this one's all donation so they got the gift shop going there and they got a big museum um, and we just ran out of time because I think the best part of it would have been you'd pay for another $4 and you get to take a van, get up close to it. And we just didn't have the time to do that. So we missed out on that. And isn't it on a different kind of scale? Isn't it like really crazily huge? It's about 25% bigger. That's all? Yeah, maybe 30. Um, okay. And however, however, that's per face. Now there's only one face, but his horse is going to be there too. So you're right. Now that I think of it, once the horse is there, sure. If the horse ever makes it, I mean, really let's think like, are they going to finish it? Rushmore never was finished, right? Rushmore, you think, oh, it's done, right? Actually, I've got a picture of what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to go right down to their waists. So so it would have been carved right from, you see their heads up on the hill. It would have been carved all the way down to the kind of the valley floor, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And uh, one, one year or one day actually through proc- proclamation, the federal government said, yeah, it's finished <laughs> and that's it. Well done, so you everyone. think of it as finished, but it's. Well, it's, 1941. Yeah. 1941. All they declared sudden, victory. That, they needed that money for something else. Yeah. Borglum, the guy who did it, his last name was Borglum. So we kept seeing these, uh, <laughs> billboards saying world's largest Borglum museum. And I'm thinking, what kind of grain is that? <laughs> You know, like, does a grain really need a museum? Borglum. Surely, surely Borglum's a grain, right? <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? That's but, fine. but no, anyway, so yeah, he died and his son finished it or yeah. got it to the point where they declared victory. I had forgotten all about that crazy horse thing. I just, I don't know where I saw it or when, I just remember reading it and thinking, 
that thing is going to be just unbelievably huge. Like, and I had it in my head that it was going to be way bigger than the Mount Rushmore. It, yeah, it will be. If I, I didn't remember the horse or anything, yeah. I just thought it was. I had it in my head, just really huge. That's so, so. We go through Deadwood and see Wild Bill Hickox and Calamity James graves. And again, there's no crowds around. We're the only people standing there at the grave site, so it's very cool that way. And uh, do people leave little tokens, or they are they just? Um, they could in the summer, but there was nothing there at the time. And Deadwood, I've never seen the TV series, but that would be kind of fun to watch. It's supposed to be a really good one. Um, but anyway, off we go. So we, we ended up in Gillette, which you pointed out, Gillette, Wyoming, Sleepy Hollow is not far away. Yeah. But by the time we got your text, we were out of town because we would have definitely swung by Sleepy well, Hollow. it's not the Sleepy Hollow of Disney fame. Uh-huh. That Sleepy Hollow is in Connecticut or Vermont. Oh, or there, of course like it is. It's well, that's New England. A, that's a good point. So you can you can see what kind of trouble we could get ourselves yeah. in. Like we cruise into Sundance, Wyoming, right? And we go looking for where would they hold the film festival? And we, you know, it's the wrong Sundance. It's in but, but I actually added half an hour to our trip right there. But you know, we're just I don't know. There's something about vacations where you just well, that's thing, the, things just amuse that's you. That's right? kind of the joy of it. Like yeah. that's. Like I said, when she said, let's, I've always wanted to go to Chicago. I was all excited. I thought, oh yeah, go to Chicago. Yeah. Just drive. Like yeah. take six days if you need. Yeah. I mean, happen. and, and if we had three or four weeks, absolutely. Why not? And, you know, there's people who drive all over North America yeah. and in a eight week period, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So on we went and um, I'm not going to spend much more time. We, we, although in Gillette, Sue once again, checks the weather she goes, no, we can't go up through Montana. Same problem. So we swung down South Wyoming. By the way, all of South Dakota is magnificent. Like you're just driving through it and you're going, I cannot believe how beautiful this is. Because you hear, oh, it's I just. I just totally think Badlands. Yeah, you think, well, you think flat, right? But unless you've been there before, I'm sure you could start to get bored of stuff. But even in the Canadian portion, it's the flat changes all the time. Yeah. Right there's different. Oh, the colors actually actually changed, the shapes of the little peaks and whatnot. Oh, there are no peaks now. Oh, there's lots of rolling hills. Like it changes all the time. Yeah, I mean we were in Pierre because you asked about Pierre. I sure did. Like, like what? I remembered from grade five that Pierre was the capital oh, of South do, Dakota. I was, I was helpfully explaining <laughs> to somebody that uh, American kids are forced to memorize the names of state capitals, and yeah. Pierre is one of those ones they really hate because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I'd kind of forgotten most of them and. And, but when someone reminded me it was Pierre, I go, of course, but anyway, so yeah, Pierre's on the Missouri river. So we got to see another kind of legendary river, you know, the Missouri feeds into the Mississippi and for most of its length, it's bigger than the Mississippi. It's when the Missouri hits the Mississippi, that's when the Mississippi's huge. But anyway, um, yeah, Pierre, we got to see another state capital, you know, check mark, you know, yet another shot from directly under the dome. Yeah. (laughs) Ooh, it looks like a kaleidoscope. Yeah, just like all the other eight that we have photos of. But, you know, it's yeah. a different kaleidoscope. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then we went on a little island in the Missouri River, which was very cool. Because it said back when these islands got flooded, that's why the cottonwoods were so great. And you're going, oh, okay, Missouri no longer floods. And you look at the map, and there's a great big dammed lake up above it. So, anyway, that was kind of nice stuff. 
And then on, so anyway, we're in Gillette there and, uh, she's going to know we're going to Montana. So next thing we know, we go West through Wyoming again, same thing. Everything's changing Wyoming all the time, a little bit more mountainous. Now you're kind of passing through the Rockies on the plane. Like it's weird that way. You're thinking the Rockies just go and go, don't they? Well, they don't really. They so kind of like, stop. It's like real high plateaus. Is that what it is? Yeah. And there's the Wasatch Mountains over Salt Lake City. They're actually part of the Rockies. But then there's this big gap. And so so the Oregon Trail, I think, bops down through there maybe. Can't remember. Yeah. It ends up in Salt Lake, I think, but I, I yeah. don't remember. We ended up, we saw Independence Rock, which is an amazing, the granite mountains there, they stick up out of this sand, out of this plain. They go way down below the plain, yeah. but you can't see them. So you just see the very, very tip goes up only about 80 feet. It's probably like a 2000 foot mountain, right? You only <laughs> see 80 feet of it and it goes like three quarters of a kilometer long. And there's all this graffiti from 1890 because the Oregon trail was going right. by. So you could see all these kids would go out, get out there and oh, nice. carve their name for posterity. Well, right? it was probably also people trying to, we went left here. If you're with the something party, we went left. Yeah, there could be, but this was right <laughs> on the Oregon trail. Yeah. But you know, like yeah. from, from there were division points, right? Yeah. Like the Donner Party took one route and a bunch of other people took some other routes. And there's this little bridge that you cross over in the middle of nowhere. And the only reason that the bridge is there is because they don't want your footprints through this beautiful track of the Oregon Trail. So you can just, oh, there's the Oregon Trail. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah. I like that. Because all the places down there we went to last fall... And on our desert trip, too, there was references to the Oregon Trail all over the place, but I don't ever recall actually seeing something that was identified to me, at least, Yeah. as the, this is it. See those two bear tracks there with the grass in the middle? Yeah. That's the Oregon Yeah, yeah. Not far from Baker City, where we stayed yeah. that one time, there's some ruts that you can actually oh, go, go and see, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so on we went. And anyway, uh, Sue steered us south. We went through, uh, we went to Salt Lake City. We, we would have bypassed Salt Lake City you know, and saved ourselves 45 minutes, but we went in uh, to see the state capital, uh, Utah. Oh, by the way, the moment you cross the border from Wyoming into Utah, the moment you cross that border, there's all this red earth, just like Utah, all of a sudden there's these big bluffs, just like you're near Zion Canyon or something. I just thought that was interesting too, because I think maybe that's continental divide. The last little bit, there, I don't really know. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of, usually you cross from one state into the next and it's only yeah, it's the, just, yeah. Me. But anyway, that changed. Um, Salt Lake City, the state capital is the most disappointing of all the ones we've seen so far. And then we headed up home, uh, just taking the free. We went up through Boise. We had some, you know, stopped in a place called Bliss, Idaho, because I was tired of driving and all it was there was a rundown motel. That's the one. Did I send you the photo of the Kleenex box sitting up in the middle of the wall? I don't think so. Like there's the bed. There's a completely empty wall with no artwork on it. And then there's a Kleenex box kind of mounted into the wall, like at a five foot height. <laughs> it's just random. Uh, anyway. Did you use that in the glove box? All I'm saying is the next morning when I woke up, the slightest little thing I felt on my legs, I'd go check and see if there was some kind of a bug bite. <laughs> I think that's enough. We just headed home, had a nice trip home too. Well, I, I liked the pictures. I liked finding out that Pierre was the uh, capital of South Dakota. Just no, zero idea. 
if somebody made me bet my life on that, I would be dead because no clue whatsoever. Griffin and I were big Corner Gas fans. We watched every single episode. And we're just heading out of Moose Jaw. And I said to Sue, because we're in Saskatchewan only for the next three, four hours at most. I said, oh, I should have checked where Rulo is because that's where Corner Gas was filmed. So I'm driving. She says, it's a half an hour from here. (laughs) So we went and saw all the buildings where Corner Gas was filmed. That was fun. That is fun. So how long, what was the total elapsed? Two weeks? Two and a half weeks. Good. About 8,000 kilometers. You guys will be a little interested in this. This little thing. I'm filling up gas in Saskatchewan, some small town. And so we go up the pump, Sue heads in to see what snacks there are. And I start filling it up, hold the gas gauge down or the gas pump down the nozzle and it just clicks off. So try again, clicks off, reposition it, try again, clicks off. And I see the gas kind of come up and then drain back down away. This is on a car with like about an eighth of a tank remaining. So wow. I so I move I move to a new pump, I put it in and it just fills right up. So I don't know. Then about two fill ups later, this is in cold weather. I start filling, it clicks off. Same thing, and this time some gas comes booshing up over and down mm-hmm. the side of the car. So I have to think what I'm going to do. So of course I light up a smoke and <laughs> yeah. no, just kidding. Little joke there. And it happened a third time. So in Salt Lake City, we went to a dealership and uh, the guy says, I've seen this a few times before, but I'd have to get under and have a look. And then we'd probably have to order you a part. You wouldn't get it till tomorrow or maybe because tomorrow was a Friday, maybe not till the Monday. So we didn't want to be stuck there for a while. And we knew that every time, if it has the problem, leave it for 10 minutes and it's just going to fill right up. So it's a problem in the top of your gas tank? Yeah, now you guys are probably aware, although you both drive, your car is fairly modern. Your car has this, your car doesn't. So when you fill uh, with gas in a modern car, there is a system that prevents the fumes from the gas tank from actually exiting out that thing. There's a system in which those fumes are forced, like they come up, I guess, out of the tank. They're forced through a carbon filter into a and the the hose comes right back into the engine area and it goes into a thing that little droplets of gas come out and make their way back to the gas tank so the gas gets recaptured or or it goes into the engine one or the other I'm not sure how it works but the gas gets recaptured hmm. that's a modern system and that's why you'll get these issues so anyway the the Toyota dealership I brought it here and they're going, um, well, there's no bulletins on this problem. We can't reproduce it. So keep an eye on it. The guy that sold me the car said, oh, well, don't you know, you drive a Toyota. Well, I drive a Toyota. You never hold down the thing for the first couple, three, four liters, just hold it down part way. And then you can, so this is a thing with Toyotas anyway. Never heard of that. Before. I know. I haven't either. I mean, it's an airlock of some sort, right? Like you there's no air being allowed to escape from the gas tank as you are pouring gas down the input tube. Yeah, there's a YouTube video of a guy that goes underneath. He says, here's the little spring where the, that hose that I talked about yeah. that comes back to the engine. He goes, yeah, you just let this off and you hear this sound and hook it back up again and now you can fill your tank up. 
Well, this is a pretty rare problem though. It's not like, and one other guy in the video says, you know, a spider could go down there and then, uh, here's what you need to do. Just replace this hose. But yeah. Interesting. So the little hose might be just running slow, has to drain to allow air to get yeah. around. We'll see if I even have the problem again. You know, it might be that the lower mainland has sufficient, maybe it's when it's cold and when it's dry, who knows what, some kind of conditions. High altitude. Yeah. Maybe you've come from lower altitude to high altitude, and so now you've got back pressure in your tank. Quiz question for you. What's the altitude? No just for the what's the altitude of the headwaters of the Mississippi? Three thousand four hundred and eighteen feet. See, that's what I would have said. I would have said maybe three lower than that or five higher, but I would have said something like that. But it's fourteen hundred feet. So there Jeez. you are. All of that. Pretty well in the geographic center of North America, I'd say, close. And it's like only fourteen hundred feet. So I guess when you're in Alberta. I guess it's kind of slowly dropping, is it? Yeah. As you make your way into Saskatchewan? Yeah, well, that's the divide, right? The continental divide. Everything on that's one it. side's going to the Atlantic. Everything on the other side's going to the Pacific. So that's all right. the way from there. Yeah, because winter, Winnipeg. It's downhill all Yeah, because Manitoba's got Hudson Bay. Yeah. All the way. Huh. That's nutty to think about. To think that it's only 14. I mean, on one hand, I kind of think, well, 1,400 feet's kind of substantial. But when I think about... All that water and that gigantic river and that unbelievably long, you know, what is it, 3,000 miles and or And the whole like drainage that? system. For 1,400 yeah. lousy yeah. feet? Yeah, that's right. Jeez. I don't think that river has a lot of rapids. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, but I always assumed that was because it was just so huge. We're right? used to these BC rivers, right? Well, I just assumed it was because it was so giant. Like, yeah. The yeah. Fraser has them, but that's, it took going through mountain channels to create rapids in the Fraser because mm. it's so big. Yeah. But after that, there's really not very many, right? Okay. Well, I hope that travelogue wasn't too boring for everyone. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was a lot of fun. We'll be back again pretty soon. We're, uh, we're experiencing some fluidity in our production schedule these days, so I don't like to say we'll be back next week, but we'll be back in a pretty acceptable amount of time, I think. And we'll look forward to talking to you again then. Till then, take care of yourselves and the people around you, and we'll see you soon. See ya.